What could be more romantic than a prenup? We'll tell you why one reality TV star is saying just that and what we can all learn from her thought process about putting the terms of any deal down in writing. That and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from my mom's half finished basement outside of Detroit, Michigan, where I make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And this is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends. And we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And today's show is uh, brought to you by Acre Trader, investing in farmland simplified. Mark Twain said it, Bobby, invest in farmland. They're not making more. He didn't say that exactly. He said invest in real estate. They're not making more. If you want to know how investing in farmland works, they have an explainer video. Head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. And today we are trading in on weddings. We're talking people getting married. Yes, we're talking about people getting married, but we're also talking about financial deals and financial partnerships because there can be a lot that's great about them. But at the same time, if things go wrong, it's really important. I think, I guess I'm giving a little bit away about where I'm going to come down on this, but it's sometimes good to know ahead of time how things will come down if they come apart. I've never heard someone call a prenup romantic before this, but we'll get into that as soon as we see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. PE ratios, stock purchase plans, Federal Reserve meetings. We must be getting ready for another episode of Money with Friends. Okay, this piece comes from one of my favorite newspapers, the New York Post. And I do say that sincerely. I love the New York Post. This piece is from Chelsea Hirsch. It is titled, Stassi Schroeder Finds Some Romanticism in a Prenup. Stassi Schroeder is thinking about every detail of her future with fiancé Bo Clark, including a prenup. The Vanderpump Rules star, age 31, is set to tie the knot with the casting associate, 39, this summer, but wants to be prepared just in case happily ever after doesn't last. Quote, I feel like people look at that as a dirty thing that we shouldn't talk about, but it's honesty. I feel like there is some romanticism to it and being able to be so close to someone that you're willing to have that uncomfortable, those uncomfortable conversations, she said, while promoting her partnership with Real California Milk's CBD, meaning California-based dairy, not what you're thinking, dispensary pop-up. It's brought me closer to Bo the more that we talk about it, and I kind of want to just like turn that around. Cameras captured her, excuse me, cameras captured her co-stars Tom Schwartz and Callie Maloney going over their prenuptial agreement before their 2018 wedding, which was not legalized. And it's unclear if they signed a prenup ahead of their technical technicality wedding this summer. Meanwhile, Schroeder's ex-boyfriend, Jax Taylor, and his bride, Brittany Cartwright, revealed they did not have any intentions of signing a prenup ahead of their June 2019 wedding. Schroeder, who now pens a column called Basic Bride for Glamour, plans to, ad- plans to address the topic in an upcoming post. She previously wrote that wanting to tape her wedding for Bravo hasn't made the planning process run smoothly at all, as some venues did not want to be on camera. Still, Schroeder 
wouldn't change a thing. I'm so grateful to be where I am, and that's because of Vanderpump Rules, she explained. And it's not like I was just cast on a reality show with a bunch of random people. This is my group of friends and my chosen family, and so we've created this whole show in life for ourselves by being open and showing everything, and it's all I know. So if it makes wedding planning harder, and I don't get my first, and you know, I haven't got my first, second, or third choice in things, it's fine, because I just, I feel lucky that I'm where I'm at. Feels like she's pretty grounded, doesn't it? I was going to say, I like this girl. Yeah. Yeah, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules. I've, I've watched it maybe three times. Found it kind of interesting, the fights that they have on that show, like every other reality TV show. But but uh, but I like what she has to say here. I like it too. Um, I think of note, she is a little bit older. She's in her 30s, which, um, so while she's still a millennial, you know, I think when you're over 30 and you're getting married, maybe, and it's not just an age thing, but we're stereotyping a little bit. I think that she's probably been through a lot. Again, I'm not a regular viewer of it, but there's probably a lot of drama on the show and she's seen a lot of breakups. And um, I think she's being really smart. I really like this idea of of why she calls it romantic. She doesn't call the prenup romantic. She said it's romantic being able to have uncomfortable conversation, being close enough that you can have uncomfortable conversations with this person. I really like that. I like it too. And I think she's making a really good point because it is a very difficult conversation. And it's a conversation that sometimes gets other people involved, especially when you are younger, if the assets that might be divided, maybe assets from the broader family that might be the cause for concern, other people can get involved and it can become very messy. But if the couple themselves can have these conversations and be honest about money, it can really open up a discussion about other things that they're going to be confronting regarding how they feel about money and the decisions they'll be making as a married couple. I think that's the best way to address a prenup is to make it a much bigger issue. I think when you've just had the prenup by itself, it might look like you don't trust each other. But when it's part of a series of all the uncomfortable conversations together, then it truly is, I think, planning a, the right future together. Yeah, and I think it goes to all kinds of decisions you're going to make together. But it also is the same kind of discussions that you might have in any negotiation that you might have in business, in any decisions you're making with your partner about where to put your assets, what your priorities are, I think it can be very useful. But there's also a case against the prenup. You know, I, I, as everyone knows, I talk about it a lot, not a lot, a lot, but I was previously married before I married my second and forever husband, I like to call him. I did not have a prenup with my first husband. And um, the truth is we didn't have a lot of assets. And that's often very true with first marriages, especially when you get married as I did in your 20s. I was thinking about that, Cheryl, and I don't have a prenup, but we would have just split our debt at that time. So <laughs> everything we have, we've done together. So for, for, from that perspective, having a prenup wouldn't have made a lot of sense. But certainly the older you are and if you have assets that you built by yourself before the wedding, the older you are, if you've uh, uh, children separately, things like that, having the prenup, I think, is, is, uh, makes a ton of sense. And I like the point that you made that she's calling the conversation regarding a prenup is what's romantic. And those kind of conversations should really happen no matter what. And they often don't. And it's amazing how many people get married and don't necessarily know everything there is to know financially about their partner. I've also um, talked candidly about the fact that I got engaged to my first husband not knowing his salary. I didn't know his income. And I look back and I think, oh my goodness, how naive was I to, because you are making this, I thought at the time, lifelong commitment to somebody and 
well, of course I would have married him no matter what the income was at that point, I should have at least known what yeah. it was, but, but, but I wasn't able to have that uncomfortable conversation. And, um, I think that was a sign of why maybe we weren't such a good match is that if I couldn't have that conversation with him, do you think that know, what, what is your income? And yet we got married. That's maybe not the best start, not having those conversations. Do you think that was a maturity thing? Yes. And that's why, and every person is different, but that is why I mentioned that she is over 30 and she also has had lived a big life at this point. I mean, she clearly, well, I shouldn't assume, but I would presume that because she's been on this very successful reality show and I assume has other business ventures, I believe she wrote a book, she has assets. And so she's, you know, been a businesswoman, she's earned reasonable income and it makes sense that she would be smart enough to be discussing what would happen should things go awry. I was always surprised when someone would, uh, when a couple would come to me when I, back when I was a financial planner before they got married. You know, people coming to me after they got married was was one thing, but man, people that that would uh, talk to the financial planner ahead of time and get everything out of the open that was just fantastic. And you could tell that usually those relationships seemed like they were going to last a long time because they were starting to plan together immediately. And it was fascinating because every time that we would meet, I would meet with couples before they were married, we'd have these wide ranging conversations, just these fantastic conversations. And I thought, man, if more people did this, that would be, that'd be great. Not just even having it, the two of you, but having the guts to have that with a third party as well. Pretty, pretty outstanding. Yeah. I think those are definitely great foundations for success. Something, as I said, I just didn't do in my twenties when I had this very short lived marriage. (laughs) And it was definitely something that maybe had we done that, we might've either been a more successful married couple or not gotten married. Did it? We weren't compatible financially because a lot of our issues were financial things that we never had talked about. Did it even cross your mind though? Nope. Yeah, not once. Nope. And and, nope. and then it's it's funny. So now with your husband now, did that cross your mind ahead of time? Oh yes, the two <laughs> of us were completely in sync. And um, well, look, we had both been married before, and we both by then been divorced as well. And there were complications in that we had he had two children um, who you know, did eventually live with us and so on. And we had assets, we had careers. I mean, we were both in our thirties by the time we got remarried, uh, which is kind of young in a way for a second marriage, but we were remarried um, to each other in our mid thirties. And we had many open conversations about exactly what was going on um, because we had to, there was so much going on at that point. We had, I owned a residence. He was selling his residence from his previous marriage was still on the market because it was the housing crisis. And so there was a lot to discuss. A lot of logistics. Yeah. We had ex-spouses. We had assets. And yeah, there was just, it was absolutely um, something that we completely agreed on. And it was fairly straightforward because it was very obvious, you know, what should be done, you know, in that prenup. But um, we absolutely agreed that we would have a prenup right away. Coming up in just a moment, Bobby and I will have our big takeaways from today's show. But while I give her a couple minutes to get the greatest takeaway ever together. I'll talk a little bit about Acre Trader, our, our sponsor for today. What I like about Acre Trader is the fact that uh, I grew up in farm country and I get it. I've seen that even during uh, downturns in real estate, farmland historically has not had those same downturns, but it doesn't mean that they won't have them. It just means that because there's always less and less and less farmland and because of the fact that it's used for a very utilitarian purpose just to make food that we all eat, farm 
farmland historically has been a much more stable asset than a lot of other real estate investments. In fact, I'm looking at a historical return since 1990 right now, average annual return of 11.5%. Once again, doesn't mean it's going to, but you can make a really good case for farmland. The problem with farmland historically, it's expensive to purchase a big, huge piece of property. So what Acre Trader does is splits it up into smaller units. You end up buying just a piece of the farm, don't have to buy the whole thing. And you also don't have to be a farmer, which is what I didn't get when I first was learning about Acre Trader. I thought, man, I grew up in farm country and I do not want to be a farmer. Good news, you don't have to. The farmer farms the land, they rent it from you, and Acre Trader takes part in the whole process and makes it go so you don't have to do anything. You don't have to collect the rent from the farmer. You also don't have to work with the farmer on keeping the soil sustainable. You don't have to work with them on what they're growing. None of that stuff. Acre Trader does everything. And you, on your end, once a year, you'll get your portion of the rent check for the piece of the farm that you owned. And then when they're ready to sell the farm, of course, then at that point, then you'll get your return. There's a lot to know here, but uh, if you're like me, you may find it very attractive. Head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF for money with friends for more. All right, Bobby, what's your big takeaway here? It is more complicated when it comes to love, but anytime there are financial resources and assets involved, making sure you are protected should things change in any partnership is a good idea. I am on team Stasi. Yeah, and I'm just going to riff off of yours because I totally agree with that, not just with assets, but the fact that it is uh, romantic to have these difficult conversations because it is. When I would see relationships that succeeded uh, when I was a financial planner, it's because the couple would have these very, very uh, difficult discussions. There's going to be different. If you're going to be married to somebody for a long period of time, there's going to be a difficult discussion and you can't avoid them. And if you find yourself avoiding them, that's only going to be problems for the future. You have to find it romantic like she does to have these conversations at a time. So I think we come down on the same side of this one, Bobby. Very well said, though. I like that. Well, thank you. And likewise, uh, what's uh, where can people help us make the show? Let's talk about Instagram. We didn't have an Instagram poll today, but we often do. And how can people follow us over there? Our handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at Money Friends Pod. And you can also learn more about the show and about the thought leaders that we sometimes have on by going to our website at, excuse me, our website is moneywithfriendspodcast.com. And you can also find links, by the way, to the stories that we talk about on each show by going to the calendar there, the schedule on that webpage. And thanks to everybody, by the way, who's left us a review of, of this uh, podcast. Uh, I've got one here from Cheetonium, Bobby, five stars, says evolving for the better, have enjoyed the show and especially it's moved to shorter daily shows. The guests are insightful and the hosts have gone out of their way to gather multiple viewpoints across the financial media spectrum. And thanks for that because we really have worked hard to make sure we have not just different shows, but a lot of different voices on here, Bobby. Absolutely true. And we have an amazing cast this season as well, which we're uh, enjoying getting to know. It has been so much fun. Tell you what else is fun. Bobby and I will be back Monday. We will let you have a Saturday at home without us or catching up on old episodes. We'll see you back here on Monday. I'm Monday with with Bobby at Money with Friends. See you later.
This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Sihai and Bobby Rebel and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.